This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Thanks, Abby. Hi, I'm Sam. Wonderful to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for your welcome, Graham. Sandeep is a living legend, so please, it's serious. Our youth group thinks he's one of the funnest people in the whole world, so encourage him. It was actually about three years ago that Abby and I first went to uh, meet Graham and Sarah and say to them, we think that God is putting vulnerable children and Cambodia on our heart. Would you help us and give us some guidance? And so we are here now three years later hopefully about to move and go and work for Care for Children, and we're going to go at the end of December. So thank you, Graham and Sarah, for your advice and support and encouragement. Um, I know some things about Graham that you guys don't know, right? Because I, I have seen Cambodian Graham, and I can tell you that uh, Graham is an expert haggler, because in Cambodia, in the market, they say something costs $15. You get to negotiate the price. And I wasn't great at it, and Graham and I went off to do our own shopping, and we bought the same things, and I paid way more than Graham did for lots of things, because he's got the kind of like the smile and the, friendly, and the, and the haggling skills. Um, Graham also is a man who knows no fear. Are you aware of this? Uh, in, in, in Cambodia, you go around in these little tuk-tuks, which is like these little taxis with hardly, there's not a door, you sort of step into a seat. And uh, in Phnom Penh, our tuk-tuk was going around and around about for the second time, because I think they were a bit lost. And a car was going in the exact same place as our tuk-tuk and had to do a severe stop, or the car would have hit Graham's side of the tuk-tuk. The next 10 minutes, I was quite traumatized. I was saying, Graham, are you okay? That car almost hit you. Graham said, I'm fine. No, no, seriously, I'm fine. I felt more shaken up than Graham, who obviously knows no fear and gets in that kind of Cambodian, you just have to go with the flow. But it, it did make me think, honestly, if that car had hit us and if it had hit my side, I thought, what were the last words that I said to Abby? I'd... I don't know, but I thought, I, I hope that my last words were something more than just about Luton Town Football Club or the, the weather's really nice in Cambodia. And I want to talk today about the last words of Jesus from Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And before we read the words, I want just to ask you, what do you think Jesus spoke about with his disciples for the very last time, before he ascended to the right hand of his Father in heaven, surrounded by clouds, what did he talk to, talk about, sorry, with his closest friends? And we're going to think about what he spoke about and what that means and how they got that wrong, the disciples, and then how you and I can think about the last words of Jesus, and maybe think about our lives and this church in a different way. That's the plan. I'm going to just pray first, and we're going to read the passage together. Father in heaven, 
we, we thank you that as we heard earlier, that your son, Jesus Christ, is seated at your right hand, having sorted out our sin through his death and resurrection. And we're so thankful that we get to enjoy and celebrate your goodness. And Father, we pray for this next half an hour or so. Pray that as we humble ourselves and come under your word, we pray that you would speak into our hearts deeply through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray that you'd help us to get our vision correct on what it means to know you and and live for you. And please help me as I speak. Amen. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 3. There may be some words, but it's your first time, so don't worry about it. (laughs) This is Luke writing. So after we have had Christ died and resurrected, there we go. So he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. That's the answer. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I wonder if the friends of Jesus in later years look back on these 40 days as being the sweetest days of their life. Think about it. You have the resurrected, conquering Jesus Christ pouring himself into you for 40 days, and you get to eat food with him. That sounds like a good deal to me. And if Jesus had to ask me, Sam, I have 40 days, what should I speak to my closest friends about? Would I have said the kingdom of God? For Jesus, this was clearly a crucial theme for him. I read this passage recently, and I had to go, oh, that's what he spoke about. But let me give you a very brief tour of the book of Matthew. In Matthew 4, Christ begins to preach before any miracles, and he preaches... This, repent, for the kingdom of heaven, or of God, has come near. This is his very first preaching message. In Matthew 5, we have the Sermon on the Mount, beginning with these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 13, Christ begins to speak in parables. Stories with a meaning thrown alongside. And in one chapter, we have the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, is like a mustard seed, like a net let down into a lake, like a merchant looking for a fine pearl, like a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Matthew 23, Jesus pronounces seven woes over the Pharisees, the head honchos of the Jewish law. The first one is, woe to you, Pharisees, 
For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. His last two parables in 25, chapter 25 of Matthew were about the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven was crucial to the teaching of Jesus Christ from start to finish. So it makes perfect sense that his teaching here for these 40 days is about the exact same theme. And whatever it means to live for the kingdom of God, it's clear from these words, we need to be baptized or plunged into the person of God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who brings to us the presence and the power of God confirms to my soul that I am indeed a child of God and illuminates to me the wonder of who Christ is. There was a wonderful moment at Devoted that I had personally. It was on the Friday morning in the very first meeting. I was holding my little girl, Ruby. We began to sing some wonderful songs. And I found myself beginning to weep. Partly because I'm a man. And I have emotions that I'm not always in touch with. And then suddenly they can all catch up with me. But secondly, because I felt like for the first time in a while... I felt like I was being plunged again into the person of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, gosh, I need to do this and make more time for this in my life, far more than I do. So let me just ask you, have you been baptized, plunged into the Holy Spirit? And if you have, when was the last time you came to him with a thirsty heart to know more of his presence and power and goodness, that he would propel you into the Christian life. To be a church on a mission, or a Christian on a mission, we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus is clear here. Let's read the next bit, please. Thank you so much. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. One second. That was a hint. (laughs) Thank you. This is the last time these guys ever get to ask Jesus a question. And have you ever heard the phrase, there's no such thing as a stupid question? I like that because I ask many stupid questions. I, I must pray to God so many stupid prayers. And he's probably thinking, Sam, if, if only you trusted me more or knew me more or got it more. We've had Christ teaching for three years about the kingdom for 40 days about the kingdom. And then they say, okay, so you are the hero of heaven who conquered the grave. Um, Are you now 
going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Because they had this idea that the kingdom of heaven was about Jesus kicking off the Romans because the Jews had to pay their taxes to Caesar. They had to obey Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. And there were Roman centurions all over the place. So Jesus, are you now about to kick out the Romans like Aragorn or William Wallace? Will you make Jerusalem the city of all cities? And will everyone else from the whole world, will they all come to Israel and will they serve Israel and serve Jerusalem? See, it's not Christmas yet, but let me just read this verse. The Jews had this amazing promise that for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he had to withdraw from the scene because after that, the crowd were going to grab him and by force make him the king. Because hang on, if this guy can feed us, we can have big tummies and fight well and get fed some more and fight and keep getting fed and fight. The disciples still didn't understand the nature of the kingdom of God And I wonder if you and I need a similar wake-up call to what it means to live for the kingdom of God. Jesus is ever so patient. I'm so glad, aren't you, that he's a patient king. I need a lot of patience from all my friends and my family, but from Jesus, I need his patience. And there are two parts to his answer. Firstly, there was a, listen, Don't get carried away about times and dates and the when and the how. So if you ever hear a Christian say, Jesus Christ is going to return on the 10th of April, 2038, ignore them and read this to them. Okay? Don't listen to them. Secondly, Jesus says this, And I imagine the response of the disciples to these words. You will receive power. Oh, great, power. We need power for the big fight. To be my witnesses. Witnesses? Don't you mean rebel fighters? In Jerusalem, great. Going to be the city of all cities. In Judea, okay, that's the surrounding region. In Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What? Jesus, you know the Samaritans hate us and we hate them. And what do you mean, the ends of the earth? See, in their head, the ends of the earth were going to come to Jerusalem and bow down to their rebellion against the Romans, their power. And Christ says, no, the kingdom of God comes when my people are filled with the Holy Spirit and when they are witnesses to my miraculous birth, my perfect life, my teaching, my death on the cross for the sins of the world and my resurrection. So filled with the Spirit, 
my witnesses in your hometown, so in Derby, in the region around you, Burton, the Midlands, to the people with whom you have historic tension. Nottingham, I would assume, is the place for you guys. And then beyond that, and isn't, isn't it amazing that this church is having an impact in Derby for you guys and things like the night shelter, a church plant in Burton, and even extending that to Sweden. This is what Jesus was talking about. Let's think some more about the kingdom of God, what that means. Earlier in the book of Matthew, Christ says this, If it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come on you. If it's by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In the video, the worst person dancing was called David Devonish. You know who he is. And I once heard him, or read rather, a story he told about a couple in somewhere in Central Asia. And Dave was there preaching and helping out a church. And at the end of the service, a couple said, can we have a chat and a pray with you? This couple had never been able to get pregnant. And Dave probed and asked some questions and listened to God. And it transpired that this couple believed a myth of their home culture that if a young lady finds a cobra, a big snake, and if she kills it, rather than getting a man to do it for her, she won't be able to get pregnant. Sure enough, this lady, when she was younger, saw a cobra, killed it herself, and deep down in their belief system was the power of this kind of curse that she couldn't get pregnant as a result. And Dave Devnish simply prayed for Jesus Christ, the King, to come into their thinking and to set them free from this curse that is not from Jesus Christ. And the power of Christ, the kingdom of God, came into that couple. And guess what? A year later, they had a baby. Now, it's helpful to think about that kind of culture because we can say, as people from Britain, Okay, that's odd, and that's Central Asian, and we don't have that kind of thing here. But if you imagine a typical Derby person becoming a Christian, or in Macclesfield, there were all kinds of incorrect beliefs that we breathe in from our culture that we need to get set free from. Maybe it's to do with the love of money or possessions, love of comfort and entertainment. Maybe you have been yourself abused or harsh things have been said to you. When Jesus Christ, the King, expels those things from your heart and your thinking, he can say the kingdom of God has come. Dave Dean writes this, Wherever the rule of Jesus goes, there is the kingdom. If the sick are healed, the kingdom extends. 
As the demonized are set free, so the kingdom comes. As good news is brought to the poor, so the kingdom of God is expressed. As justice comes where there's no justice, the kingdom of God is growing. Wherever God is obeyed, his kingdom comes. So it's about the rule of Jesus Christ, the king of heaven, coming into the earth. Let's just think some more about how the kingdom is like the king. Do you guys like history? I'm going to do a little history lesson. Not yet. You're poised, aren't you? I'm so sorry. It's not yet. That is a good response. There's a picture to come. It's not yet. In 1863, Cambodia is in the low point in its history of many low points. Because Vietnam to the east and to the west, Thailand, keep on beating them up and coming into their country because they're much more powerful. Cambodia is like the little weak brother of those three countries. And the king says to the French, would you like to come into our country? You can rule our land and rule our laws, but would you just protect us from our annoying big brother and neighbors? So the French come into Cambodia, and do you know what they find in the kingdom of Cambodia? They find a country full of poor rice-farming fishermen peasants. If you're trying to find a school in Cambodia, there weren't much happening. If you were poorly, you wanted to see a nurse or a doctor, not much happening. If you wanted to go on a, a main road, not much happening. That's what the French found. That's the kingdom. Now, what was the king like? The king was greedy and lazy and selfish. He had about 400 wives and concubines. Women whose job was to look nice for him and entertain him and sleep with him. And they cost the country a lot of money for their clothes and perfume and their children and where they lived. The king was asked, why don't you ever build a road from that town to that town? He said, well, I won't ever use that road, so why build it? The king was selfish, lazy, greedy, and the kingdom was very underdeveloped. The kingdom of Jesus will reflect what he is like. So what was Jesus like? Well, he honored his parents. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He respected women. He made time and space for the outcasts. He confronted the hypocrites. He cast out demons. He fed the hungry. He welcomed children. He was the one true God on the earth. He told stories and people's lives were changed. He suffered and was, and was persecuted. He prayed for his enemies as he was dying, and he laid down his life and was then risen from the dead. So the kingdom of heaven will reflect the king himself. And the power of the kingdom is the power of peace, forgiveness, sacrifice, undeserved love and acceptance, 
the power of freedom does not, doesn't come through weapons. It comes through the Holy Spirit baptizing people like you and me and us being witnesses to the person of Christ. Is it Helen? Right. Heather. Sorry, Heather. The picture now, please. Thank you so much. Okay. A bit more history. This is April 1975. On the left here, we have the Khmer Rouge, who came to power in Cambodia. And the first thing they did was they marched into Phnom Penh, the capital city, with tanks and soldiers. And over some days, they marched everybody out of the city. Just said, everyone, get out. Get your things and off you go. And the soldiers marched them to different checkpoints across the city. If you were elderly and you couldn't keep up, tough luck. If you're poorly, you just get left behind and killed. At these different checkpoints around the city, if you were the wrong kind of person, the wrong kind of political party, if you were educated, if you were a doctor, a business person, a lawyer, if you were a Christian, if you were a Buddhist monk, you'd be killed there and then. Everyone else was marched to these villages where they were forced to work as slaves, building ditches and growing rice for Pol Pot's evil regime. On the right, that's a picture taken from within the French embassy in Phnom Penh, looking out. And you have here two officials of the embassy, because an embassy is a taste of one country in another country. This is a taste of France in Phnom Penh. And no one can come into the embassy without them being allowed. As this was happening, 1,300 people fled the chaos and the madness and the panic and the fear and the killing, and they were allowed into the French embassy. 1,000 Cambodians and 300 Westerners. Because within this gate, it was like a touch of France in the chaos of Phnom Penh. Now think about that. Listen to this quote. The church isn't the idea of a bunch of pastors like me and Graham who just want a job. The church is Christ's idea. The church and the church alone is to be his embassy on the earth. The church, your church, ours in Macclesfield, the church in general is to be the embassy of the rule of Christ on the earth. So what's it like out there, 2019 in the UK and in Derby. It's pretty divided, wouldn't you say? About the B word. There's a lot of harshness about how people talk about each other. There's been a rise in knife crime, a rise in domestic abuse murders. For young people, there are questions about what it means to be a young man and what it means to be a young woman. 
questions about how we should use social media. There's a lot of anxiety. People worshipping the false gods of money and sex and power and good grades and a good job and being popular and being comforted. There are people who are hungry. There are people in Derby who need to have a night shelter in the winter to have somewhere to sleep. An embassy of the kingdom of Christ is to provide shelter and comfort and refuge and hope and is to be a witness of what Christ himself is like. I had to think very recently about our church in Macclesfield. And like Graham, we announce on a Sunday notices what's happening in the next few weeks. And I had to think, when I say, right, we have this group on this group, are we just filling up our church calendar with the right kind of event and thing to do? Or are we thinking, well, we're an embassy of the kingdom of Christ, filled with his spirit, called to be his witnesses to Macclesfield, Derby, and beyond. So we do things that an embassy would do. So when you're going out on the streets next Saturday, when the night shelter is up and running, when Graham and the team are in Gothenburg, this is your church being an embassy for the kingdom of Christ. Now, let me just ask you about your life. When I was 19 years old, I lived in Brazil for a six-month gap year. And I went to a midweek group in our Baptist church in Brazil. This guy called Pablo was probably 30. And he said to us in the group, when I said, I realized that I am a Sunday morning Christian. And that I come to church tick the box, go home, and just live my life. And he said, I want to be a Sunday-to-Sunday Christian. And I thought, wow, what an amazing way to think about it. So I'm sure there are millions of Sunday morning Christians around the world. I'm sure I can be a Sunday morning Christian. When you have a vision of the kingdom of God for your church and for your own life, you realize whatever you're doing 9 a.m., or 9 p.m. on a Monday, you can be an ambassador for Christ and bring the values and the aroma of Christ's kingdom into your family, your friendships, your workplace, to do with your time, your money, your hobbies. In July, I did what's called the CELTA course. It's a four-week training course to be trained to teach English as a foreign language. It was the first time in seven years I'd spent four weeks around non-Christians because being a pastor for seven years. And it was amazing. There were 18 of us on this course of four weeks. I had some super, super spiritual goals. One was to pass the course. Do you know my super, super spiritual goals for those four weeks? Show up on time. And work hard. That's my first goal. Number two, don't swear or gossip. Number three, let people know 
that I'm a Christian as soon as I can. Not in a weird way, but in a, how was your weekend? Well, actually, I was at church yesterday morning. Get to know as many people from the course as I can and be available to help and encourage people as much as I can. It was that super spiritual. Don't be late and don't swear. And from there. Because I was trying to think, how can I just represent the kingdom of Christ to all of these people? And I'll tell you this, some people were quite interested and asked me about my church. There were four Muslim ladies, they were the most interested about Christianity. I was asked about, so are your parents Christians and that kind of thing? At the same time, there were some people that gave me a wide berth. They would just walk past me and keep their head down. Because I, th I think in their eyes, I was the potentially weird, bigoted Christian person. And I realized, yes, if you're going to actually try and be an ambassador for the kingdom of Christ, some people will be intrigued and others will be put off. Let me just conclude. The kingdom of God was a crucial part to the teaching of Jesus Christ from start to finish. His last 40 days is what he poured into his disciples. We need the Holy Spirit to live for his kingdom. His kingdom comes wherever the rule of Jesus breaks in on the earth and when God is obeyed. His kingdom comes into the whole world through the church as we live as an embassy of our king. In every area of our lives, we are to seek first his kingdom and be witnesses in Derby, in Burton, in the Midlands, even in Nottingham, in this country, in Sweden, in Cambodia, and wherever God sends us and wherever this church goes on to have a lasting impact. That's my message. Could you please stand if that's okay? Okay, I'm going to just pray for us, that's all right. I'd like to ask a few questions. And the first one is this, are you in the kingdom of heaven? The way that you get in the kingdom is not by being a good person or obeying the rules. We are rescued into the kingdom. So if you haven't ever said, you know what, Jesus, I need you to rescue me from the darkness into your kingdom of righteousness. You get to do that this morning. And if you are already in the kingdom of God, are you living with a kingdom of heaven-shaped vision for your own life? And are you living with a kingdom of heaven-shaped vision for this church? And what ways might you be able to bring the presence of the king to your week ahead. I'm going to pray for us as we just think about these things for ourselves.
Lord Jesus, we, we do say together that you are the king, our good king of justice and mercy and righteousness and purity and hope and forgiveness and love. And we love to be your people, to have you as our king. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. I pray that just as the disciples needed a bit of a, a, a check on what it means to live for the kingdom, I pray that for myself and for all of us, that we'd understand the nature of the kingdom of God. We'd understand what you are yourself like, King Jesus. And that you would send the Holy Spirit into our hearts. That we'd be plunged into his presence and power. That we might be not soldiers, but witnesses. I pray for courage in the week ahead to speak about the kingdom, to be a witness to Christ. I pray for those everyday moments we come across. Help us to live for your kingdom. And where people are put off, help us to trust you for them and to trust you for our own lives. But where people are drawn in, we pray for your kingdom to come in Derby and beyond. Amen. Thanks for having us so much. It's been great to be with you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.